But I love that song we sang. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. And you know what struck me as we sang that song this morning is I thought, you know, that we don't really need to remind God of that, you know. He knows who he is. Who are we reminding? We're reminding ourselves. Because if that's who our God is, that's really who he is. And friend, I believe that is who our God is. Then whatever he says about my life has power because it's true. It's true. And uh, last week we spoke on the first of a series of messages about this series of I'm in, it was um, I'm invited. And I just want to, I'm not going to re-preach that message, but I just want to remind you this morning, no matter what you've been through in life, no matter where you've been, no matter how hard you've fallen, no matter what state you're in right now, whether you feel like you're on a mountaintop or wherever, you are invited into the kingdom of heaven. You are invited, and you have a place, not, um, you know, in the outer room, but you have a place at the table with Jesus to dine with him and know him intimately. And he loves you. And we ended that message by talking about that one scripture that talks about how blessed are the, on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. Remember that, those of you that were here? And, and uh, I use that analogy. It's really not an analogy. It's truth. People, you see, once we discover who we are and that I'm invited to the table, I'm invited into this kingdom, I'm invited into this great work that God wants to do, I'm invited into a kingdom calling in life. And you all have a kingdom calling in life, no matter what part of the body you are. No matter if you're the, the, the loud part, the quiet part, the, the smart part, the, the, the one that doesn't have as much brain, but you've got, you've got the heart, whatever it is, you've got a call. And you are called to walk onto those mountains of people's lives, those, those over, unovercomable mountains that people have in their lives, mountains of sin, mountains of debt, mountains of hopelessness, mountain despair. And God says, when you are convinced of who you are, that you're invited to the table, then you're ready. To step onto that mountain that someone is, can't overcome, that thing that is keeping them away from God, keeping them away from the life that God wanted to live. And God says how blessed it is when you do that and bring the good news of Jesus Christ. So you are called, you are invited into a big, big work. And this morning we're going to talk about another one. We're going to talk about I'm influential. I'm influential. I'm curious, how many of you would say you're an influencer in some degree? You're an influencer. I'm glad to see some hands up. I am. Not, not as many as, as, as I would think, though, because I think sometimes we, we think, am I truly an influencer? Now, influence has a, uh, an interesting meaning nowadays. Clay, our son, who's a sophomore at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona, suffering out there in that 76-degree weather right now. <laughs> we called him the other night, FaceTimed him, and said, how are you doing, Clay? And he goes... Really good. <laughs> really good. Um, how are your grades doing? The weather's really good. The, uh, he, engineering, right? So it, I don't, yeah, he's doing great. But he said, I'm going on a, on a camp out this weekend, and it's being led by this one individual. It's like a renewal camp out, and he goes, this guy's an influencer. And I thought, well, that's an interesting term. I, I'd never heard anyone say that before, influencer. And I guess I'm way behind the scenes and the times because I looked up, I thought, well, what does that mean, influencer? And I asked him that, what does it mean, influencer? It means, 
It means that he's got a huge voice out on social media to talk to people. My, I never heard of, I mean, I, I can use social media. I, I can remember my passwords 7% of the time. But I thought, what does that mean? And so I talked to him, well, what does that mean? He goes, it just means he's got a lot of influence because he's got a lot of followers and people are listening to him. I said, well, what does he say? And he goes, well, he's got a lot of good things to say. And we went into it. And I'm like, okay, well, he's influencing for a good reason. But I went out online and I looked up what it means, influencer. What does influencer mean? Did not know this. But if you go out, and I challenge you to do this, just go out online, Google it, and say, what is influencer? Just put influencer in there. And and it's got a real interesting definition. The definition, the first thing that pops up online is this. It says, here's what an influencer is. Quote from Google. An influencer is an individual who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others because of their authority, knowledge, or relationship with their audience, primarily social media. And so that's what influencer is. So when you say influence to a millennial or someone in that industry, they're going to say that's someone that can... Um, get other people to purchase things because they're recognized as an authority on that subject. And that's true. That's a social media definition of influencer. But but what I want to do, I started digging down more, and I thought, well, there certainly has got to be more than that. But that's pretty much what you'll find. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to take a moment, and I want to help us to reclaim the meaning of what influencer is, what influencer is means and what that means to us. And I want to I wanna start by giving you context on something, if I can find it. Give me a second. In order for you to be an influencer in the kingdom of heaven, to be the best influencer, I'm going to give you all sorts of notes on it this morning and things to think about. I'm going to say this statement, you are called to be an influencer in the kingdom of heaven. Not to get people to buy things, not to because you're peddling something, but because you hold the most valuable commodity in all the world. And that is the knowledge of the good news of Jesus Christ. There is no better thing you could give anyone. The disciples said this. Someone said, can you give me money? Remember what they said? Gold and silver have I none, but this I give to you. Rise up and walk. The disciples said, I can't speak, we can't help but speak about the things that we've seen and heard. God has implanted in you, as a believer, those of you who are believers today, this incredible message of good news. But in order for us to be able to use that, and this is just a little aside I want to bring you through really briefly. I heard a teaching on this, and I think it's so relevant to us. But we have a world, one of the greatest enemies of being influential in the kingdom of heaven right now, anyone being influential is we are rapidly becoming a culture that values shallowness. Shallowness, and I'll even take it a step further, and foolishness. Think about it. We have people just, I, I, it's, it causes despair in my heart when you see, you know, you hear about the spring break trips, and, you know, these kids just cheering each other on, you know, rooting on someone to do something really foolish that they regret. It gets published online. As adults, we're, we're not separate of this. We'll, we like to see, we cheer people on sometimes to do things that we know are, are, are foolish. And foolishness and shallowness are the enemies of our culture. And there's such an enemy that Proverbs, the, really the first 15, 16, I love Paul Phillips who spoke at our men's breakfast the other day. He said, man, he challenges, ladies, you're going to like this. He said, you know, um, 
You know, some of you have made the mistake, you've given your wife a plaque that has Proverbs 31 on it. And what you meant to say when you gave her that is, this is who you are. But many of them took it as, what are you saying, I got to work on this? But he said, man, before you dig into Proverbs 31, dig into the first half of all the books of Proverbs. Because it keeps on saying, sons, I've got wisdom for you. And most of those chapters of Proverbs talk about how not to be foolish but how to be wise. So this whole thing, God says, I want you to be wise. And so the question you have to ask yourself is, do you want to be a person of godly wisdom or do you want to be a person of foolishness? Which do you want? Do you want to drift along with culture in their ways or do you want to say, no, I'm going to make a stand. I will become. And and Paul, again, he talked about men, but we can apply this to men and women. He said, you know, how many of you know a 40-year-old person, 40-year-old body, but they're working around with a 12-year-old mentality on life? You know who I'm talking about, don't you? Everyone popped, someone popped your head right now. Because they said, I want to walk in foolishness. I don't want to embrace this. And they drift along with culture. But because you are an influencer, listen, let me tell you this. Because you are an influencer, you've got to get your head around, what do I want to walk? Do I want to grow in wisdom? You know, God wanted that for his son, Jesus. Jesus grew in the wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Do you want to grow in wisdom as an influencer or do you want to be a foolish influencer? Because you will influence one way or the other. You will, and you have to make a decision. Luke 6.40. Luke 6.40-ish. I think it's Luke 6.40. Somewhere close. It says, when a disciple is fully trained, he will be like his master. Remember, I'm setting you up for influence. Before you can be an influence, you've got to settle in your heart, how am I going to influence? Foolishness or wisdom? Listen to this verse. It doesn't sound that deep, but it's a lot deeper than you think. When the... Um, when my disciples, when a disciple is fully trained, he will become like his master or his teacher. If you look at the word trained, perfectly trained, it comes from the Greek word katartizo. Here's what's significant about that. Katartizo means this. It means repaired. Think about this for a second. So a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly repaired will come become like his teacher when the disciples are um, are repairing their nets remember that so the disciples were repairing their nets they were cardotidzoing their nets and so what god is saying is when i get done with you i'm going to make you fully repaired from what from original sin from what you've been through in this world from the hits you've taken, from the things that people have said, from the poor decisions that you've made, from the decisions that other people made that have impacted you and hurt you in your life. He said, my goal is to fully repair you. And God's greatest desire is not for you to be, now don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching a false theology. God wants you saved, but his main goal for you isn't even to be saved. Although God wants you saved, amen? Okay, thank you. God wants you saved, but his main goal for you is to be repaired. And so that's why we read the Bible. That's why we gather together and we worship together. That's why we say get in a small group, get in a life group, and get connected with other people that can breathe into your life and can speak the truths over your life that you need in a world that is speaking lies over us. That's why we spend time in, in prayer and we go to quiet places because all of us need to be, become wise and discipled. And God says, I want to I repair you. I want to put you 
back together the way that I created you to be. That's what I want for you. I want you to be whole. Amen? And that's why um, we've got to come to a place where we realize this. And this is my last little intro piece on this. There's two choices that we can make in life. Kind of, and they both seem like good roads as a believer. We can choose to please God or we can choose to believe God. Please him or believe him. They both sound good, right? Who doesn't want to please God? You want to please God? Yeah. Do you want to believe in God? Well, sure I do. But it's interesting because as you make a decision that one of these is going to be my focus in life, they're going to bring you down two different roads. And, and one of them, let's say you want to please God. You say, I want to please God. I want to do all I can to please God. That's my goal. I'm going to, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to please him today. And that's my goal. And, and we make that what we want to do. And, and so that's going to lead you down this road to this big house, right? Walk with me here. Kind of, I'm giving you a little analogy for your brain this morning. And you're going to walk into that, that house and you're going to find a really interesting group of people that say, I want to please God. You're going to find someone guilty. Someone that says, man, I, man, I tried so hard, but I, I, I messed up again. I, I got into that porn or I said that thing that I, I said I wouldn't say or, or I did that thing that I said I wouldn't do and there's tremendous guilt. Or you'll find someone in that house Someone that's arrogant and said, oh, man, I'm pleasing God all day long. I'm glad I'm not like the rest of these people that can't seem to please him. Boy, am I good. Everyone look at me. Then there's someone that's anxious that, man, I want to please God, but if I do anything, I'm going to screw up. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to blow it. So I'm afraid to do anything. You're going to find somebody in denial, someone that says, oh, my life, it's going great, but everything's really a mess, but they're in this denial phase that, that they can't really look life in the eyes and say something's got to be different. And, and it's a whole bunch of people that said, I intended to please God, but I can't do it myself. And then you've got this other group of people. So if this is the please God, that you've got this other group of people that say, I want to believe in God. I want to believe God. And you walk into that house, and there's something very, very different in that house. There's a quietness. There's a peace. There's, there's a peace that passes all understanding because those people in that house are similar to the others and they're going through some of the same stuff. But the, the big difference is this, is that that guilty person that said, I'm, I blew it again, they're saying something different. They said, I did mess up, but I believe God when he says he's gonna forgive me. I believe God when he says he's gonna empower me to try this and, and do it again. He he says, I'm going to believe God, or she says, I'm going to believe God when he tells me that I'm still a son of God or I'm still a daughter of God, and, and I believe God that he's for me and that he's not against me. So why do I share all this with you? It's kind of a recap, because to be, to be influential, I believe this. If you believe in God and what he starts to say about you, it's wholly different than saying, God, I just want to please you, because please you, I want to please you, has a lot of I in it. But I choose to believe in God and what he wants to do in me. And God says, I can work with that. Because I didn't create you to walk around guilty. I want you every single day to know that, man, I know you struggle. But if you just believe in me and stick with me, that will please me. And so we need to get that. And so that's why 
we say the statement that Bob Smart gave us, and I told you we'd start with this every, every week for this series if you want to pop it up there. That's why this is the statement that we make. And I want you to read this with me. Read it with me this morning. I am pardoned of all my sins, and I accept it as righteous in his sight, but only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to me and receive faith alone. God, you are all I need to become who you want me to be. Amen. Amen. So I want to talk to you with that mindset very, very briefly in our time remaining about what it means to be an influencer. And I want us to regain that, the, the meaning of that word. And if you go to Matthew chapter 5, there's a story that many of you are familiar with. It's a metaphor that he uses. He talks about how you're the salt of the earth, which means this, that you are, uh, and, and this is very familiar to you, there, there, there's something of you that brings the right flavor, the right seasoning to this earth. And there's a second thing that he says. He says that there's a town, a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden and people don't take a, a lamp and put it under a bowl, but instead when you light a lamp, you put it up on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. It just shines and it overcomes darkness. You know, there's an old song that says, the smallest, all the darkness in the world cannot put out the light of the smallest flame. Cannot put it out. All the darkness of the world cannot extinguish your Bic lighter. I can't do it. And so God says, listen, I want you to be a light to this world. I want you to be a salt, the salt to this world. I have created you to have a wholeness and understanding of who you are, to know that you're invited, to know that you're a part of this thing of, of kingdom building, and I want to use you to be an influencer. And so we want to reclaim that. I, I talked to Clay. I, uh, I said, so Clay, the Tubals, Bryce and Julie Tubal, I said, hey, they're in Phoenix tomorrow which is today, and they're going to your church, um, Living Streams Church. Clay's just been going there. And I said, hey, they'd love to see you and sit with you. And he goes, oh, I don't think I can do that. And I'm like, you know, of course I go into father mode. Well, son, you should go there. Come out there. And, you... and I, I said, well, but I didn't say that. I said, so why can't you do that tomorrow? And he goes, well, I've got a couple people coming to church with me. I invited some people to come to church. I said, oh, awesome. How many people do you have coming? Because you could, he goes, 35. I'm like, Okay. Pastors like people like you in their churches. <laughs> influencer. Influencer. When I think of who started Journey, you know, who started Journey 15 years ago? Um, was it Jason and Nancy? Who started College Avenue many, many years ago? Who, who's led it? Was it Pastor Clark and, and, uh, and oh my gosh, Karen. I'm staring right at Karen. Sorry, I'm 50. Cut me some slack. But, but who started this? And I think uh, I could go down the long list of, of, of things that we did and how God, the story, and how he called us to start and everything. But when I think about it, I think, you know who really started this church as it is today? So we'll just go down the journey track. I know CABC has a tremendous history as well. But who started Journey? It was Pastor Fred Franks 26 years ago when he said, you look like you could be a pastor. And I was the scrappiest kid in the world. And I didn't even know what that meant. It started when Jeremy Donaldson, 33 years ago, came up to me and said, hey, have you ever heard of this guy named Jesus? I think of uh, Don and Lou Fritzen, 
who right after I got saved, would, I'd sleep on their living room floor and they'd tuck me in with a blanket and just tell me all things about Jesus for months and months and months and months and months. Think about Bob Smart, who 14 years ago, when I felt like I can't do this church, and this is crazy, <laughs> this is hard work. And he said, yes, it is, but, but God's called you to do it, so stay in it. Stay in it. Influencers. So who started Journey? A whole lot of people. A whole lot of people. Did you know there are stories that people will tell about you and your life and the, and the influence you've been? I think of, uh, of uh, it's interesting, God's timing. So this whole thing about being an influencer, I just want to broaden your, your understanding of it a little bit and what you've been doing. This is, by the way, a very simple message this morning, meant to encourage. That's really what it is. Nancy, um, yesterday, was it yesterday? Okay, anyone ever just feel discouraged like you're not getting anything done in life? Is it just me? Has anyone feel like, oh, okay, I'm a loser. I, I just, can we get real this morning? All right. And you're just sitting there having one of those loser moments, you know, and then, then you spill your coffee on yourself, just, which just affirms it, right? <laughs> Not only am I a loser, I feel like it, but obviously I am one, right? Everyone can see it now. It's on full display. So Nancy was just down yesterday, just down, just feeling like, God, I, I'm, is it okay I'm sharing this? I guess I should have asked before I <laughs> stood in front of 200 people or 100-ish, somewhere in there. Um, Strike that from the tape. <laughs> um, she's sitting there, and she's sitting at like Culver's or some gas station. Oh, a gas station. And she's just like, God, I just, I, I, I have, abs- I'm, have no effect at all on anybody. And I just am down. And she saw someone, someone came up to her and knocked on the window. And she looked at the window at the gas station, feeling down. And she, she just thought, huh. And then it struck her. I, I haven't seen her for about 20 years. And she rolls down the window. And this lady named Dawn looks at her and said, Nancy, I'm so sorry. I just had to tell you I saw your license plate. And I couldn't believe it was you. And I just, I, I just, I got to tell you, no one has ever impacted my life like you. And the whole trajectory of my family and my life and my marriage and everything you changed all of that, and I just, I had to tell you that. I don't know why. I can't believe I'm bumping into you. Just, I'm, I just wanted to tell you that. Roll up the window. Influencer. Influencer. Um, here's the thing about an influencer. You know, I, I think of some others. I, Nancy and I started making a list, you know. I remember Kristen Marshall. Where, where's Kristen? One more Nancy story, and then I'm going to talk about more of you guys. So, where's Kristen? Oh, there she is. I remember Kristen. I couldn't speak at the, the business fellowship thing that you were leading on campus. Remember that? So, Kristen was at this business Christian fellowship. She was one of the leaders there. Not a leader. She was attending it. Okay. And I couldn't, they asked me to speak. I couldn't speak that day. And Nancy said, well, I'll speak for you. And I'm like, oh, praise God, because she had like 10 minutes to prepare. <laughs> and she ran over there and she spoke. And then Kristen and her connected. You know, Kristen Marshall has become one of the most influential women. And we have so many. 
in this church, but one of the influential women of this church, constantly reaching out, constantly inviting people. If you're one of our visitors today, you're, you're hanging with a good woman there. But it's influence begets influence. But here's the thing about influence, and, and this is how you know it's godly influence. God, th- this is how it works with, with God and the Holy Spirit. We're to emulate the, the same thing. Did you know that the Holy Spirit always points to one person, Jesus? So if you ever hear about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and you get kind of freaked out about that, we'll talk about that one day. It's good stuff because it's in the Bible and we'll talk about it. But any spiritual gift that's truly the way that God wants it to be, the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus and says, the Holy Spirit always says, look how awesome Jesus is. You know what Jesus does? Who does he point to? The Father. So everyone's always pointing to the Father. And you always know a godly influencer. And this is your goal. Godly influencers don't say, look how great I am. Godly influencers say, look how great he is. Look how great he is. Donna, who I like to call Pat once in a while publicly. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I did that a few weeks ago. I don't know why. I'm like, let me tell you about Pat, 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 Pat. At the work, she says, remember my name's Donna. That's right. And my name's Idiot. All right, well, I'm glad we got that all straightened out. No, she was nice. Identity in Christ. I'm not Idiot. I'm a child of God. All right. But um, we were talking this morning. And, and there's a man that she just, a homeless man, right, a guy that was on the street. She has a ministry to these guys. Talked to him, influenced him. She saw him again. The guy says, I've been alcohol free for 10 months. Going on 10 months, I just wanted you to know that. Implied, you influenced me, Donna. You influenced me. And you influence people unto good works. I think about um, other people in this church. Donna, if, if you don't believe that God's going to, could get you off the streets, don't talk to Donna. <laughs> She'll mess you up. Um, Luke, Luke and Angie Luganbuehl over there. If you don't believe that Jesus could do some supernatural crazy thing in your life, don't talk to the Luganbuehls. They'll have you quitting your job and doing something nuts, like starting a business. Or I love Luke because every now and then you'll just hear, yeah, that's good. You'll hear that. <laughs> that's him. He, he, he will convince you that angels will visit you, and then they will. Uh, I, I think of the Netzers and the Sands, and, and who, if, if you don't want to believe you can disciple your children into greatness, don't hang around them. They'll mess you up. Think of the Sanders, the Sands, and many other families in this church that uh, they'll, they'll convince you you can adopt, you can bring children home. God can do that in your life. I think of Elizabeth Cox. If you don't want to believe that miracles actually happen, don't talk to Elizabeth. I could go on and on influencers. And if you talk to any of them, they'll say, and you say, wow, you're so great. And they'll say, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand. It's Jesus who's great. And it's your God in heaven who's great. And we are all called to be influencers. I, I, I want to encourage our moms and dads. You are God's greatest influencers on this planet. You have stewardship over the next generation. And some of you, I said that right now, and instantly guilt dropped into your soul because you're like, I've not been a good father. I've not been a good, I've not been a good mom. But can I tell you a couple things? Um, God knew what you were capable of before he called you to do it. And God is the greatest gap filler on the planet. And he knows that we don't have all it takes. But he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And his power is made perfect in your weakness. Someone needs to say that right now. Mom and dad, I want you to say that. Say, I'm an imperfect parent. Say it. I've messed up, but his power is made perfect 
in my weakness. And he will work in my children's lives and make them men and women of greatness on this earth. Amen. Listen, you just got to tell them Jesus loves them. And we'll do all our best to equip you to equip them. But you have influence. The, the Bible says that we have many teachers, but few, few fathers. Looking at Eddie over there on the front row. If you don't want to believe Jesus is coming back in like five minutes, don't talk to Eddie. <laughs> because you will be running to your car and calling all your friends and telling them he's coming. We don't have a lot more time this morning. There was a, a woman in the Bible, you're all familiar with her. Many of you are familiar from John chapter 4. Samaritan woman. Um, Jesus was on a journey. He was passing through Samaria, and uh, which was unusual by itself because Jews hated Samarians. Samarians were, they call them, this always sounds terrible, but this is what they say, half-breed Jews. So they were um, Jew and half-Jew, half-Gentile, and so Jewish people hated Samaritans. They just hated them. It was wrong that they did, but they, they did. They, they considered Samaritans subhuman, truth. Less than dogs. They, they esteemed dogs higher than Samaritans. And so Jesus does this crazy thing in John chapter 4. He uh, goes to this uh, well in the middle of the day in order to rest. And he talks to this Samaritan woman who comes up to him. Jesus asks her for a drink. Another foolish thing. You don't take food or drink. Something that's touched a Samaritan is awful. You never do such a thing. Scripture um, in verse 9 says that the woman was surprised. She's shocked. She's overwhelmed. She can't believe he's doing this. She never expected it. It's unheard of. No Jewish man would ever do such a thing. It's bizarre. And she says to Jesus, she goes, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied in love. And I know the scripture's on the screen. I'll, I'll try to move through it quickly. He replies in love. And he said, if only you knew the gift that God has for you, if only you knew, then you would ask me and I would give you living water. She's really confused by that. And she said, sir, I don't really have a bucket. The well is deep. I don't know how I'm going to get this water. How can I get this? And verse 13, he goes on and said, anyone who drinks of this water, this natural water, you're soon going to become thirsty again. But he who drinks of the water I give will never be thirsty The woman notices something different about this guy, Jesus, and says, please, sir, may I have some of this living water? And so verse 16, Jesus, perceiving this woman's life, and he knew everything about her, says, go and get your husband. And he knew she didn't have one. She says, I don't have a husband. The woman replied and told him that. And he said, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five, and you aren't even married now. And to that man you're you're living with, he's not even your husband. And she says, you certainly spoke the truth, sir, You must be a prophet. So here's the deal. There wasn't a Jewish man around that would have ever done what Jesus was doing here. But he dignifies her. He honors her. All the time knowing she's an outcast. No one wants, if he was seen by anybody, which he probably was, they would have serious questions about him. This is the woman that everyone whispers about. This is the woman that everyone talks about. But the woman, it says at the end of the story, 
left her water jar beside the well and ran to the village telling everybody, come and see the man who's told me everything I've done. Could he possibly be the Christ? So this is the woman, the most outcasted, rejected woman, much like Mary who we talked about last week who was the prostitute. Similar situation. We, we said you can be a prostitute and you're, you're invited. That was last week. This week we're saying you could be someone with such an incredibly wrecked life and still be one of the greatest influencers ever in God's kingdom. So I, I, it's just so important to me to let you know this. No matter what you've done, no matter how far down the road you are, no matter how you feel like I have no testimony left, I've done so much bad Who's going to listen to me? Or, you know, I'm, I'm I, Jason, I'm just not that talented. How could I influence anybody? But you are somebody that God can and wants to use. And he will use you if you'll let him. You have the ability to speak identity into people. Man, so much I want to share on this. I'm going to share one last story this morning. And I want to share a few things, a couple real quick thoughts. I told you this was easy, all right? It's a simple message this morning. Everyone say, I am an influencer. Now turn, Taylor said, Jason always makes us do this too. I do. Taylor, we've been talking about you this morning. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are an influencer. You're an influencer. So we're all reminded of that, right? We all know it. No matter what you've done, God has called you to be an influencer. Now here's a couple practical takeaway thoughts and a story. This is what you need to do. You need to remind the people that have influenced you what they've done. You need to be Dawn. You need to find the windows of people that are in their cars and you need to knock on them. They're proverbial cars. Go with me on this, okay? I'm I'm serious about this. There's an action item today. Go home. You are not who you are because of yourself. You are not who you are because of yourself. You are the product. Anything good in you is the product of parents even imperfect parents who screw up, me being one of them, you are not the product of just your own pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Make a list. Here's the action item. Write it down. Take it in your, take a note. Write down all the people that have influenced your life to become who you are called to be and make a purpose to tell them. They need to hear that from you. And also listen, listen to me, listen because there may be situations that God is specifically calling you to influence today to undo a wrong that you did in the past. Because we can all influence one way or the other, bad or good. And I believe that God wants to remind you of a few things, not for guilt, but for redemption. Here's someone that you influence negatively. I want you to go back to them. And I want you to bring the right influence into their life. And I'm going to tell you, closing with a story, and then we're going to pray no song at the end, and then we're done this morning. 
I was a pastor just down the road, First Assembly of God, for 12 years. There was a, a couple, some of you longtime journeyers know this story. Most of you, this will be new. But there was a, uh, a girl in grade school that I used to brutalize. Just terrible. Didn't hit her or anything, but I hit her soul. Me and a bunch of kids just were terrible to her. Awful. Bullies. Wasn't a believer back then. Doesn't matter. Should have known better. I started as a pastor at about 23, 22 years old. And there was a, uh, there's a family there, Dick and Clara. Dear, dear couple, older couple. I used to, they used to come up all the time for, this is 30 years after, 20, 30 years after I'd been in grade school with this girl. And they would always pray. And they're always praying and interceding and crying at the altar. And one day I came to them and I said, can I agree with you? with whatever you're praying. And they said, would you pray for our daughter? You already know where this is going. Because we've prayed for her many years. We grew up in the church and we always told her that God was good. But life treated her really bad at a young age. And she's so far from God. And I prayed for him and it wasn't a few weeks later I said, I made the connection. I said, Dick and Clara... And they know this story. They all know this story. Aerosmith, Aerosmith, where have I heard that? And then it just shot through my soul. And I said to Dick and Clara one day, is your, your daughter's name Amy? I said, how did you know? And I confessed in that moment to them. I said, because I was probably the worst of the bullies. And I knew better. You know, my mom, is, I have a great mom. Although I didn't accept Christ fully until I was 17 years old, I knew who he was. I knew the right way to live. My mom taught me well. She didn't influence me really well. I just wasn't biting on it. And God immediately told me. So I confessed to them. I repented. And there were great tears. And I said, I'm responsible. And, and so God, I said, God, what do I do? And he said, reach out to her. Change the influence. Tell her Listen to this. Tell her who she really is because you spoke false identity. And all the while, imagine this, all the while her parents are at home telling Amy, this is who you are. This is who Christ has called you to be. And in, in, at school every day, you're a loser. You're this. You're awful. You're the terrible things that a junior hire can say to somebody. And she ended up believing that over the word that God was speaking to her through her parents. And he goes, you have the power to change that. So you know what I did? There was no real internet back then. There was no Facebook. There was no nothing. There's white pages. And so I researched. They didn't have her number. I researched. I researched. I found her phone number, and I found her email address. And email was just kind of a new thing back then, too. And I, I just wrote her this long note, and I couldn't get a hold of her by phone. And I said, I was wrong. Here is who you are. And I just listed every good thing that God had spoken about her. And that was all I could do. And I prayed. Several weeks later, church on a Sunday morning, I feel a tap on my shoulder and I turn around and it's Amy. And she said, I'm here for one day. I got your note. She goes, it changed my life. 
And she goes, you can't imagine what that did for me. We hugged. I prayed for her. I cried my eyes out. I asked her forgiveness, which she gave. And she walked away with that new identity that Christ had given her. So I'm I'm sending you with a second action item. Where have you spoken? Where have you been party to the enemy? Can we just be real? And spoken false identity to your spouse? I don't care if they're a louse. All right. There's something good. And they need to hear it from you. They need to hear it from you. Your children need to hear it from you. Your coworkers. You know how many... I've had some great bosses and I've had some really hard bosses. But I made a decision earlier in life. I will only speak well of my bosses. I will only speak well. Which doesn't make you popular on a team sometimes. Not flatter, but in the, uh, if I can't say something, I can't tell you how often God has used that. When you speak God's truth over somebody, it will transform them. You are an influencer. Do you want to be wise, beginning of the message, and go that harder, longer road? Or do you want to just flow with the world into foolishness? Who are you? Decide. Use your tongue. Power of t- uh, the tongue is the power of life and death. You're going to curse people, or you're going to bring them life. Who are you? Decide. And God will bless you. Amen. Father, thank you that we all have a decision to make today. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Lord, I pray this, that we would be life bringers, not flatterers, but God, we would use the God-given influence you've given us to breathe life and truth, that our tongue would point people, not to us, so I could feel good, but our tongues would point people to you, Jesus, so you could point them to the Father. I'm going to ask one quick question, two quick questions, super fast. Anyone in this room that you, you would say this, I've used, I can see how I've influenced people wrongly. And God, I repent of it today. And Lord, I want you to use me to turn around whatever evil words I've spoken. That's you. Just be bold. Raise your hand up. I know I've been used wrongly. Lots of hands. Anybody else? All right, I'll give you an easier one. Thank you for that. God's going to show you a strategy on how to do that. How about this one? God, use me to be an influence. Use me to be an influence for you in this earth. I want to be used, and I'm willing to go down that road. Raise your hand. Amen. Well, God, we give ourselves to you today as your voice, your hands, your feet. We're here for you. God, give us boldness, even today. And God, help us to know who's influenced us, to make our list, and to share it because there's people that have influenced us that need to know what they have done in our life. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. God bless you. Amen. Have a great day, everybody.